so hello and welcome to the podcast of the Old Gold Club. Uh, something pretty new. Are you going to say hello? Yeah, hello. Chris Willemo here. Absolute pleasure. Looking forward to it. It's been a long time coming. Can't wait to get started. I like the way that you had to dedicate that you were Chris Willemo. As if people who are listening to this wouldn't tell by the different voices, the accents. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could do me a Scottish accent if you want me to. Yeah, go on. Why not? <laughs> I'll, I'll be Chris Willemore and you, you can be <laughs> Mikey. Terrible Scottish accent. It's you. a great Scottish accent. I don't know what you're talking about. This is an unbelievable <laughs> Scottish accent. Um, so welcome along to the podcast of the Old Gold Club. This is something entirely new that we are doing this year. We're basically, Looms and myself are going to be talking to former players, uh, coaches, managers, people who've played a big part in this football club and really kind of delve into the stories a little bit. There will be a, a Facebook show, um, which will, you'll be able to watch, which will be slightly different to everything you'll get in this, the podcast. There'll be kind of extra stuff, bonus content at the end of our podcast uh, that will be available for you to listen to on this podcast, um, including Tales from the Training Ground <laughs> and Potential Looms Confessions. Oh, I'll have to get thinking about that one. Because uh, you do have a lot of confessions. <clears throat> there has been a few. There has been a few. I've, uh, I've, uh, I've definitely spoke to a few players over the years. I've uh, laid it out there, said my sorries, been forgiven, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that will uh, carry on in that in that manner. There was a couple that were already in our pilot episode, which you might be able to listen <laughs> yeah. to once that gets uploaded. And um, we should thank our sponsors, Wolverhampton Building Supplies, who very kindly. Uh, put their name to the Old Gold Club, which Fantastic. is what we settled on in the end. We went through quite a lot of names as potentials for this, uh, including the Wolves Social, uh, Mikey and Looms. Mikey and Looms. <laughs> that, that. That's what I went for. <laughs> yeah, and me too. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, we got outvoted. Uh, so this is Old Gold Club. Um, if you want to get in contact with us week to week, we'd love to hear from you. Just let us know where you're listening in to us, if you have any specific questions or just comments that you want to make, really. You can email us, oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk or you can also get in contact with us via the Wolves social media channels, which quite handily is <coughs> at Wolves on Twitter, Instagram, and then I think we are Wolverhampton Wanderers on Facebook, Josh? Forward slash Wolves. Always oh, sorted it. Great times. <laughs> Great times indeed. So yeah, you can get in contact with us via that as well. So we'd love to hear from you. Old Gold Club at wolves.co.uk. Right, the show's on the way very shortly after we've had a word from our sponsors. Wolverhampton Building Supplies is a one-stop shop for all our building and DIY products. Whether you're a professional builder or just looking to put up a shelf at home, Wolverhampton Building Supplies aim to be able to supply you with everything you need, on time and at the best possible price. They don't inflate prices just to give discount. They give everyone the best price from day one and they even do next day delivery. Wolverhampton Building Supplies have a dedicated team on their trade counter who can offer you guidance on your project as well as excellent customer service and their prices also include VAT so there are no awkward surprises at the checkout. So give our sponsors a visit either at the yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk or you can even just give them a call on 01902 The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. Official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome along, I'm Mikey Burrows, alongside me former Wolves striker Chris Owellamo and this is the Old Gold Club, a brand new offering from Wolves Media. It's a radio show slash podcast that's been filmed so you can watch on Wolves Facebook page. Every week we'll be speaking to a former player, coach or manager about their experiences at this great club. So Looms, tell us about guest number one. Well, our guest, an absolute monster of a man, absolute gentleman, made 207 appearances over 15 years with the club, joined as a boy, worked his way through uh, the academy, one of the success stories, you know, uh, party two promotions, which was outstanding, again, saw two relegations, which we'll delve into a little bit more depth, played under the likes of managers Mick McCarthy, Kenny Jackett, uh, Solbakken, uh, Dean Saunders, many more, nine caps for his country, as I say, it's the, it's the guest number one for the, the, the old goal club. It could only be one person. The Wolves number one, Carla Kimi. How are you, big man? How are you finding good, the retar- retirement? Uh, yeah, it's um, 
It's interesting, yeah. It's uh, kind of sort of getting back to sort of normal life, so I'm kind of getting a bit bored now, so I, mean, I feel <laughs> like I need to do something. So, yeah, thanks for having me. You've, um, give me something to do today. Well, one part, one part of retirement is that you now have to come and do things like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I have to spend more time with you. Great. <laughs> I mean, how have you found it though? On a on like a serious note, because things have been tough for you in the last year, eighteen months. To kind of, do you feel now like you are coming through the outside of it? Um, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, um, it's kind of a bit uh, two steps forward, one step back. But I'm starting to feel like I feel like I want to do something now. Where before I didn't feel like I was ready. So I'm still taking like steps, but it's good to kind of feel that yeah, I want to do something and. For you to invite me here, it's something for me to do, and I think maybe to come and do a game with you as well. So it's just good to have things to do now because I do feel like I need to start getting busy and get, get occupied with uh, occupied with things. Yeah. Because you've not fully decided yet what you want to do. I mean, how long did it take you to decide? Yeah, again, six six months to a year after I retired, you know, and that was something that I was I was prepared for. I was I knew that that the body was was packing in. Uh, and even now, it's like it's, it's still emotional for me to come and and, and, and watch matches and talk about matches. Mm. So, so I think it's something that uh, in yourself you know that you want to throw yourself in, but it's you got to think very hard and careful what that is as yeah. well because you know it was it was forced upon you. Yeah, that's what I feel like. I feel because uh, it was forced. It, it was I wasn't really. I knew it was coming obviously soon soon because I was obviously thirty one, but. Um, it, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, um, but because of the circumstances as well, I kind of didn't know. I don't know the time frame to when I actually want to do something. But sort of coming back here today again, kind of got had a bit of a funny feeling in my stomach just walking past the stadium, thinking, oh, "Yeah." Do you still get that then? Because you you thought really long and hard about coming back. The first game that you came back for, where you kind of came out on the pitch and took the applause from the crowd. I spoke to you a lot in a couple of days before that, and you. You really unsure whether you wanted to come to the game? Yeah, it was. I knew the first game would be the hardest one to do. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously, after everything happened and the emotions of just coming back and being retired, and even though I've been on that pitch so many times, it was just I knew it was going to be different. And I think that's why I've just kind of steadily sort of come back. I came uh, for a little bit before the. Southampton game and then I'm just sort of slowly making my way to come back to just enjoy the game a little bit more now do you know what I mean so I think I had the initial sort of meeting everyone and seeing everyone again which was great because I'd not seen someone for so long but now I kind of just want to come as a normal person and enjoy the game See on your downtime I know like for myself I'd go away and you'd watch football game after game whatever's going on is that was that what did you do with your downtime? Is when you switched off when you were training when I was playing, playing yeah. what was your downtime? Is it, um, is it has that changed or have you had to kind of distance yourself from that? Uh my downtime when I was playing, I'd just end up watching it anyway. I wouldn't think to watch it, but I'd be watching yeah. most games just because you watch the championship games because you're looking who you're playing against and you're interested in it obviously and then you obviously always watch match of the day, so mm -hmm. or the Super Sundays and that so I was kind of still involved in it. It's, it. You know what it's like, Looms, when you're, when you're playing, you're kind of never away from the game, even if exactly. you, yeah. you, you downtime, that in your downtime, you're still thinking about training the next yeah. day. Yeah. So yeah. the game coming up, so you actually never switch off. A, a lot of people sort of say, oh, well, you only train a few hours a day, blah, blah, blah. It's not that It's not that. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of your day is consumed in what you're doing tomorrow because you're sort of thinking, oh, I need to go and rest because I've got training tomorrow. What to eat, how you yeah, feel, your what body. I'm going to eat and what I'm going to eat tonight because I need to feel good for tomorrow because my legs are sore from yeah. training. So you never actually get a... That's only supposed to downtime. I wouldn't even say Saturday night. It's a downtime really because you're just that high and emotional after the game. It's just like a bit of a calm down. Your head's going a million miles an hour. You've probably got loads of caffeine in you because I used to take loads of caffeine so I just... <laughs> yeah. Yep. try and stay a bit sharper and it's like a bit of a mad emotional thing and I suppose Sunday you might have a little bit of downtime it depends how you've played the, the game then, before you're, you're yeah. back in training on the Monday yeah. you're already thinking about that well, but, is yeah. there a part that you not <coughs> anyone to tell you what to do anymore 
That's... All parts of your life, you're like, you've got to be here by this point. You've got this is the clothes you wear. This is the food you eat. Yeah, I, I did like structure, but now I don't mind not having it at the same time. Um, it's nice, kind of not having to go somewhere at a certain time or not having to do pretty much anything at the minute, which is nice. But I did like structure when I was playing. I, I liked to know what I was doing throughout the week. Take us right back then to when that all began, when you first joined the football club. What was the place like for a start? <laughs> a lot different, yeah. Um, the stadium was pretty much the same, obviously, apart from the new stand. Oh, was it the same? Basically where the change of rooms area was, there was a gym there and I think um, Dave Jones might have had an office down there as well because I got got a rollicking once for taking a cup of tea in the gym. <laughs> yeah, he, he pulled, pulled me in. I was only 16. And um, yeah, he gave me, me an earful. I think he, uh, he said, oh, <laughs> you're getting the brunt of my bad tales. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so it was, it was slightly different. We got changed here. Um, and then we used to get a bus, uh, Keith Downing, uh, was my first manager here. And uh, he used to drive us to Compton, yeah, to, to train. Well, you had to wait 2005 to get your debut against Chester in the League Cup. So what were you prepared for it or were you just chomping at the bit? As I say, I, when I made my debut, it was, you know, I was ready to go. Well, I thought I was ready to go. Yeah. Um, was I ready for it? I don't... You just kind of have to be ready for it, don't you? I, I remember not eating. <laughs> for the whole day, I don't know if I, I don't think, I don't think I knew the night before that I was playing, but I remember not eating before the game because I just you never been you never got told that you would never got the heads up that I you were. I can't remember. I can't remember, but I just remember. Even I might have got told, but I was okay that night because he's sort of playing. Yeah, of course, cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the day comes and you really find out what you're about. So uh, yeah, I remember uh, we was having pre-match at the Mount, and I remember just not eating nothing and just. Just um, being really nervous about what was coming, but I think we won 5-0 maybe or something like that. So I didn't really have that much to do, but everything kind of went smooth. And um, it just it just gives you that belief that, yeah, I can play. I know it was against Chester and we was expected to win, but you, yeah. I was still playing. I think Lescott was playing that day and a few of the other pro, um, older pros. So it just lets you see that, yeah, I can do it and I can play with these guys. Because you'd been on the bench quite a bit, didn't you? You were even in the bench in that first Premier League season. Yeah, um, I think Matt Murray was injured. Um, and then, yeah, was on the bench for like Man United, Liverpool, and I can't remember a few other teams, a few big games. So I was kind of involved with the first team, but I wasn't, I wasn't ready to play. I was nowhere near ready to play. It just, but it was good for me to be around... Um, the first team at such a young age because even though it was tough it probably helped me in the late years because one of the things I'm fascinated about with with you and I guess similarly for you Lubes as well is kind of the competition for places because for you I guess it's easier there's more opportunity whereas for you the list of some of the goalkeepers that you kind of had to wait and get past yeah it was difficult because even as soon as I came, as soon as I came in the academy, it was difficult, you know, because um, there was a goalkeeper, a goalkeeper the same age at the time called I think he's Dean Coleman, and uh, he was he was good, and um, it was touch and go for me whether to I was going to get a scholarship, and then kind of got the scholarship, and then there were still good keepers in the academy, and then Wayne came as well, who was a year younger than me, he was very good as well, and then kind of had Matt Murray, Oaksy. Um, Paul Jones was there, just a lot of goalkeepers all the time. And um, yeah, at times you're thinking, is that chance ever going to come? But yeah, it did come eventually, but there was always good keepers. Even when I got my chance, I felt there was always good keepers. And throughout my career being here, there was always good keepers here. I think just, just on that one, <clears throat> I think when I was at a football club and a striker was brought in, it's competition, you know, but goalkeepers are wired differently you know I think yeah. a manager has to has to state before this is my number one this is my number two and I never quite understood how goalkeepers had that relationship because you've just said all those goalkeepers there and if you were before them or you were you were challenging and you were on their, on, on, on their tails mm. that you were always so close you know it was I, I didn't quite understand that like 
me and Sylvan went two months without speaking to each other, <laughs> and, that, and no one would have, no one no one would have known that. You yeah. know, we're on, we're on the pitch every Saturday, ripping it up, yeah, yeah. on the best form both of us have been on together, yeah, I remember, yeah. and we never spoke. Yeah. Me and him were in the dressing room. He'd walk in, we wouldn't speak to each other. <laughs> I remember that actually. Yeah. You know, so Probably didn't know that you actually weren't <laughs> speaking, but I kind of remember that that you didn't have the the blossoming relationship that he seemed like you had on the pitch and it was yeah for whatever reason it just that it wasn't it, we clicked out there but we yeah. never we never clicked yeah. in there so but for a goalkeeper you want to play as a professional footballer you want to play every match for a manager to say right you're you're my number one you're my number two yeah i think that i, I just i can't i can't understand that but then you have to be ready for that chance yeah you spend so much time with the keepers Obviously, we're probably out early anyway, so you probably spend 45 minutes with them before the game, yep. before training has even started. And then it, it, it's strange because you are quite close, but you are competing against each other at the same time. So kind of never had a problem with any of the keepers. Kind of got on well with all of them, to be honest. Um, probably me and Wayne were like the closest competitions. We were close in age as well. Um, when you're sort of with an older pro, they kind of know that you're the younger and yeah. they might accept that they're probably coming towards the end of their career or sort of the latter part of the career so yeah. they more want to help you but when you're with someone you're close to your age like there's no helping <laughs> you, you're just competing and that's not in a bad way because none of us were experienced enough to say ah oh, um like Wayne I think you should do this as as we got older like we'd both say to each other like if you see something just let me know and we'd say to each other like I, even if it's half time I'd just have a quiet word in his ear say just be careful on this or he'd say the same to me as well so we kind of our relationship with me and Wayne grew because it was quite competitive we were, course, we were, we were got on well don't be wrong but it was a bit more of an edge th than the rest of the keepers and how was that you know like if so if, if you if Wayne said something that, you, that constructive criticism how do you take that because it's like even even now and when you're when you're doing punditry, it's not a personal attack. That's your your opinion. Wayne's seen something, but you're thinking. Yeah, I think because we had that we had a good relationship. It was it was fine. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I wouldn't be thinking he's trying to get a med or anything like right, that. Yeah. It would just be fine, and it'd be vice versa. Because at the end of the day, it's not anyone's fault that he's playing or I'm playing. It's just the managers chose you, and that's what it is. And obviously, you try and work as hard as possible to try and take his place or. To try and yeah, to try and take his place, or to be in, to get for when he say something happened to Wayne, to be ready to go in. Yeah, but it's like you realise it's not personal. It's not nothing personal against it's Wayne, Matt, Oaksy, anyone. It's just there's one there's one position and someone's got to play. Do you have to learn to get used to that though? Because I mean, you had it then, and you had it when you were kind of second, third choice goalkeeper. You get to the Premier League, and then big-time goalkeeper Marcus Hanneman comes in and Doris mm. DeFries comes in. And then even when you'd established yourself as number one, in that Kenny Jacket area when they got back to the championship, in comes Thomas Kuczak and in comes Emmy Martinez. And it's, yeah. it's always that challenge. Yeah, I think I found it difficult when we went up because obviously, like you said, they had to bring someone, Mick would bring someone with experience in, which I understand now. But at the time, I didn't. And like, uh, Hanneman was obviously a really good keeper, but I just felt at the time I was like a, just a bit younger and a, I, I could do everything. I felt like I could do everything that he could do, but just because he experienced, he obviously would get the nod. And quite rightly, if I was a manager, I probably might do the same uh, that, um, that Mick done. But you're just in training and you sort of feel like you've got the edge over someone, but then you sort of come to close to the start of the season and get a knock no Mick would call you up and then it'd just be like that conversation uh, like you've been brilliant but I'm going with Marcus or um, one of the other keepers that they had when we got to the Prem yeah so you genuinely thought that you were in for, with a chance for starting that because you said about uh, your debut that you, you felt that it prob you probably wasn't ready mm. so now after that promotion and you and as excellent as you were were you ready for the Premier League? Um, I wasn't sure at the time but I think Thinking back now, who knows? Like I think, from my opinion, I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I felt like I felt like I was. Yeah. When you're seeing other keepers and sort of very close to Wayne uh, with Marcus as well, like you sort of think, yeah, I I am ready. Yeah, like I, I'm doing everything that these are doing. Someone might have a stronger point than me, but I might be stronger in another area. So. Mm -hmm. 
kind of just it's probably experience. That's the only thing I didn't I didn't have at the time because I played ten fifteen games that season. We went up and then I didn't have an array of games behind me, which I went on loan and got them in the end. But probably Wayne had the full season playing. Well, not full season, but a lot of the season yeah. playing. So we had like the momentum going into the next season. Because we were talking about this the other day, and Looms was saying just just kind of how big a part you played. Yeah, he played in that promotion season that kind of gets forgotten a little bit. You know, you you said there you you've got to be ready when that chance comes, if it's suspension, if it's injury, whatever it is, and you did you came in and our momentum just carried on. Yeah, you know, I think, I think yeah, yes, I think, it's, uh, is when you, did you score a hatchet or did you get sent off at Preston? Sorry to cut you, but yeah, just. it was that day that um, yeah, you, you scored a hatchet and got sent off, and then Wayne. I think Wayne got sent off as well, didn't he? He, he got sent off. And, yeah, uh, and then that's how I kind of got in and then stayed in for a little bit, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it was difficult. It's difficult having to take a back seat in the Prem because I felt like I was kind of ready to play and I reckon me and Wayne was kind of close close at the time, but um, just the way it happens sometimes. So, having gone through that, having almost consistently having to fight for your place how good was it to have the league one promotion season because you'd gone through the down times as far as the club was concerned mm. that was the the rejuvenation of it yeah it was good to know that it, it was good to know that I was definite number one uh, I think even the year before where I played majority of the season it's still touch and go when when I um when I came in actually I think Doris me and Doris at the time um, I think Wayne was might have been on loan, I think. And um, it was good to know that I was playing every week and obviously we started good. The fans sort of brought into what we were trying to do at the time, which was important because at the end of last the season before, it was an all-time low. I've never seen it as bad here. Um, when we got relegated, it just wasn't a good atmosphere around the place. Um, but it just, everyone was behind us. And it was just it was just good times. And some of the games, obviously, we did win comfortable, but it wasn't always as that easy. Every game was quite tough and quite competitive because everyone wanted to beat beat Wolves at the time. So it was just it was good for me to get the full season under my belt. And I, I, I don't think I had a, maybe a small niggle um, towards January, but I didn't miss that many games. So for me, for a fitness point of view, I got. It was on the back of nearly two full seasons, really. Um, so yeah, it was great for me. And being being in that position where you are the number one and you've got number two chomping at the bits, were you were you, that relationship? Would you say that was the same then? You being the in pole position? Yeah, it didn't change. Like and I didn't think nothing of it. Even uh, Aaron McCary, I think, was number two at the time, and um, he he. He, he he played later on in the season, but he was still learning. So I felt, and he was there when I was a couple of years ago, so I could see his progression. Mm-hmm. So I was still trying to help him because he was still younger than me. Do you know what I mean? So I still wanted to help him get better and improve. Um, yeah, so I've always had good relationships with the keepers. And if they're younger than me, I even want to try and help them more. I think um, when you are the older keeper, you, you, you should try and do that because they're the sort of next in line to so come through is that an attitude change because you, you know, we talk about the mental aspect of what you'd have to go through and you'll have this as well Lewis. when you get to a certain stage of your career do people start looking at you differently in the dressing room you're now the senior man you're now the man who's now got to help the others out yeah I think you bring you bring a certain amount of experience but again if I'm if I'm in the team and there's a striker coming who's, who's direct competition yeah, you might talk about this, that, but you're not really, you're not giving him that information that he's going to come and, uh, and, and challenge and knock you out. You're, you know, you have to be, I think strikers are, 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 are again wired a little bit different. You've got to be selfish. You've got yeah. to have that, that instinct that you're just on your own. I was always a team player. That's probably where I've, I, I, I failed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, like I say, it's just something that it's always intrigued me about goalkeepers because you can see the bond that they've got. You see that the, the way that they train, how they push themselves, the levels that they reach, but then there is genuine. There's genuine that if the, if the keeper if it was to make a mistake, it's the keeper that's the, other, the second keeper that's protecting them, saying, "Oh, this is reason why." Or it is it's something I've never noticed before. Yeah. Whereas as a striker, 
you don't if you're on the bench, you don't want you want the team to win, but you don't want the other the striker to, to get the goal. If if he if he does if he's not done his job, then that's my chance to get back in, chap on the gaffer's door and say he's not scored. Yeah, it's funny how you say that actually because I don't. I'm thinking now of strikers. How many striker friends have you had during your career? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No strikers have friends that are strikers, are they? The they don't. It's it's one of those things. It's uh... <laughs> like they get they get on they get on well enough because they have I mean? to get on. But yeah, but yeah. I'm just thinking of all the the strikers. It's not that they didn't like the other person, but they always seem to get on with other people that weren't strikers a lot better. But yeah, going back to the goalkeepers, if they made a mistake, it'd be more like, if someone made the mistake here, yeah, I'd know what the feeling's like. And you just kind of feel sick for them. I still feel it on TV. If someone, I see someone, a goalkeeper make a mistake, I'm just like, oh no. Or I see something mad happening, I'm just like shutting my eyes, like turning away, because you kind of know the feeling. So you don't really wish it upon another keeper to go through that. You kind of want to win your place by merit more than them having bad form, which is a, no, a likely source of you getting in, but you don't want you don't want to see a goalkeeper go through that. We're going to talk a bit more about that on the podcast extras, including how Looms doesn't have any friends, in, in, <laughs> certainly striker friends, in a dressing room. Um, we're also going to talk about your redemption from the tactics board incident okay. on the podcast extra as well. And we'll also have uh, Keems's Tales from the Training Ground and any possible confessions that he has for stuff that's gone on down at Compton. But we want to try and get to know you in a kind of a bit more speedy type of way this is what we call the rundown quick answers if you can first of all best player that you played with at Wolves it's this quick fire now yeah okay then it's not that very quick this isn't it <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd have to say there's been a few but probably Helder Costa yeah I think it's it's tough because I'm going back to when we we went up the first time to the Prem and the, some good players we played with then but I think um, Helder yeah Helder Costa worst trainer when you were at the club be careful <laughs> don't, don't, don't. I'm not looking at you Looms I'm not looking at you <laughs> I have my days um, Looms wouldn't be far up from top of the list um is him or uh, what's the big what's the big striker? Remember we, we signed them from uh, Stefan Meyerhofer. Meyerhofer, yeah, Meyerhofer, yeah. I've seen Mick McCarthy yeah. and TC have a little giggle because he was running. He ran off the pitch. Didn't he? he kept on running and going around cones and all that. He wasn't even in the playing area. Lose, lose, Meyerhofer and uh, <laughs> Hanuman was a Hanuman's an interesting one actually. I'd be quite quick as possible, and it's quick fire. But yeah, he wouldn't die till eleven. As soon as 11 o'clock went, he'd start diving. <laughs> so he's good. You weren't that great between 10 and 11, but 11 onwards, he was brilliant. <laughs> um, who was the biggest moaner? Neil Collins. <sighs> Nearly. Oh, really? Do you think Carl Henry? Carl Henry just likes. Carl Henry's like a, just a bit irritating. You just keep. You know what I mean? You don't really. T- Cole just keep trying to engage in an argument. You just feel like, I just, just do one, Cole. Just yeah, exactly. Neil, obviously loud as well. Neil was annoying for me. <laughs> Best and worst dress sense? Hunty. For both? No. Surely it's got to be worse. <laughs> yeah, worse, yeah. Hunty was pretty bad. And um, best. <clears throat> I don't know, I'm not going to say best, but he made a lot of effort, Sacco. Okay. He was, some of his stuff was interesting, to say the <laughs> least, but he, he'd spent a lot of time, uh, he spent a lot of time getting ready. George and Dar, actually, I forgot about that one. He was always immaculately dressed. Every yeah. day, I had, his, I had a coat hanger, I had a hanger in the change room, no one had a hanger. Hung all his clothes, shirt, jeans, fresh shoes, George and Dar, yeah, definitely best dressed. Okay, we've got to try and rattle through some of these. Who was the funniest player that you played with? E Banks Blake or Stacky. Out of them two, yeah. Best manager you played under? I have to say Kenny, I think, yeah. Who's your best friend in football? E Banks Blake. Okay. What was the best game you played in? I'm going to say my first one, Bristol City. 2 0. Did you score that actually? I think you did. 
Just because it was the first one? Yeah, just the first one. A good atmosphere is always a good buzz around the place. What was your proudest <coughs> moment playing for Wolves? Getting promoted, I think, the first time. I think there's a there's a lot there's a lot of bad stuff around the club before and I think getting promoted was the start of the club coming back, yeah. So getting promoted. The the League One one. It, Okay. All right, we'll talk more on the podcast extra. We've just got time for your 60-second quick-fire quiz. We're going to find out how much you know about general knowledge, about wolves, and about yourself. I thought that was the 60-second. 60, 60 <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are going to get 60 seconds on the clock. Let okay. me introduce you to my official timer and assistant, Mr. Chris Wellamo. Hi, Chris. <laughs> All right, 60 seconds, are you ready? If you don't know the answer, just say pass. Okay. okay, here we go. How many points did Wolves win last season? Pass. Who knocked Rui Patricio's Portugal out of the World Cup? Pass. <laughs> Name the Prime Minister of the UK. Uh, Theresa May. Where does Swansea play? In Swansea? <laughs> I don't know the stadium. Liberty Stadium. Against which team did you make your Wolves league debut? Luton. It was Luton. Who replaced Arsene Wenger as manager of Arsenal? Uh, Emre. Who did Wolves play in the first game back in the Premier League in 2009? Pass. How many stars are on the American flag? 52. How many penalties did you save in your Wolves career? Uh, two. No, it was three. <laughs> Name any of the three players that you saved from. Three seconds. I don't know. Oh, come on. That's your time up. <coughs> I didn't save many penalties. That was, I, used that get, was I, I used to get a last stick for not saving penalties, actually. I know, yeah. When I did look this up, it was about 24. <laughs> <laughs> did you look up the state one as well? 51, isn't it? It's 50. Me and Looms have a big argument about this. Right, okay. It's 50. Is it we 50, will, yeah. We'll check that back but Isn't up. that 52 seconds? Um, how many points did Wolves win last season was 99. Rui Patricio's Portugal were knocked out of the World Cup by Uruguay. Prime Minister of the UK is Theresa May. Swansea do play at the Liberty Stadium. <coughs> we got that just in time. Uh, you did make your de- Wolves League debut against Luton in August 2006. Unai Emery replaced Arsene Wenger. It was West Ham was the first game back in the Premier League. Lost 2-0. 50 stars on the American flag. And you saved three penalties in your Wolves career. They were from Tommy Smith playing for Watford. Freddie Sears of Colchester and Owen Garvin of Bolton. Scored four. Four. Do you think that's a good total? No. <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? I just went blank. Well, I think it's I think it's easily beatable, but you're first up on the leaderboard anyway. This isn't fair, is it, that I'm the first, really? I've <laughs> actually watched before and kind of got a gist of what was going on. This has just kind of been thrown on me. and Well, unlucky. It's not fair. <laughs> that's what you're going with being a stick to just unlucky yeah cheers um, Carl thank you very much indeed this is the end of our Facebook portion of the old gold club but there's going to be plenty more to be discussed on our full podcast which you'll be able to download very shortly indeed thank you very much for joining us to say we will get into much more including Carl Aikimi's Tales from the Training Round to come on our podcast extra this has been the old gold club Okay, so that was the show. This is the podcast extra where we can uh, get into in depth a little bit more on one or two things. And I feel like we need to talk about what your performance in that quiz. Yeah, it was bad, wasn't it? Because it was it was pretty bad. I do have some more questions. <clears throat> do you want to try and redeem yourself? Oh, I've got those questions. I've really so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have said no, we would have moved on. Um, what type of alcohol is in a mojito? Gin. White rum. Uh, which player made their Premier League debut as a sub in Wolves' final game of the 2011-12 season? Me. It was you! <laughs> That's a big part of that. <laughs> you needed to get that. Um, which manager picked you the most during your Wolves career? Kenny. Kenny, yeah. Do you know how many times? Uh, wild guess. Ninety. It's not bad. Hundred and sixteen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hundred and sixteen. I mean, what was he like? Because we talked a little bit about that kind of redemption, League One season. Yeah. Because it was a big job that he had to do to come in and turn things around. 
Yeah, it was um, it was tough. We had to kind of try and change a few things and um, change to change room a little bit at the time. But yeah, Kenny was um, at the time. Sometimes you'd sort of not question him, but kind of be like, oh, "Why is he so strict? Or why is he being so stiff?" Or do you know, what I mean? but. Now looking back, he 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 done what he had to do at the time. He he kind of needed to keep the foot his foot on everyone's neck, and um, yeah, he was quite stingy with days off at at times. And I remember the international breaks, he kind of wouldn't give that many days off. But um, yeah, he got us he got us back. He got us back playing. We played good football under Kenny to start off with as well. I think in the League One season, especially when we came up the the to the Championship season, we were, we were playing good football. He was. Um, he was just kind of he was good all round, and you kind of knew not to step the boundary with him because he would, he would, either give you a, a rollicking or sort of try and punish people in a different way. So he was, um, he was good for me, and Joe was really good as well. The coach at the time, um, he was kind of a bit more relaxed, and he's kind of the go between between the manager and the player. Because I think if you have a manager and a coach that's quite similar. It's, it could be difficult if Joe was quite strict and firm it might not have worked as well but because Joe was quite relaxed you could kind of fill Joe out for what the manager's thinking and stuff like that because um, sort of anyone would tell you about Kenny and don't always know what he's thinking and um, I suppose that's maybe a strength in the same sense that you don't get complacent What about his, what about his man management? You know <clears throat> you said yourself like he made you his number one you were confident you've, you went in there what mm-hmm. I think as a manager you have to have the respect to the players you have to have that in between yeah. man you never know how to take them but you respect to them yeah. but what about when you needed that arm around the shoulder would that come from Joe or would that, would that be, be uh, Kenny would take that responsibility I'd be more Joe for that yeah Kenny's um, Kenny was I think it came for, at a time for me as well with Kenny that it was probably like because I'd not played as much here um, it was the first time we kind of got treated like a real man like, and I, I, I like that I felt like he treated me like a man and he talked to me like a man and um, I felt like I had a decent relationship with him um, but yeah he'd just tell you straight Kenny would and that's what I like really I don't like I didn't like when managers would sort of say one thing yeah. and do another or kind of drop you for, drop you and kind of not say something he'd just kind of tell you straight and I felt that even even if I didn't agree with what he was doing, I could respect him because he just told me straight, yeah. Because what was he like in the dressing room? Because you talk about him not saying a huge amount. Because for us in the media, and even working for the club at the time, it was awkward at times. Like, I love him to bits. I think he was great. But, like, you mentioned Joe. We, I remember once we were in reception at the training grounds, and Joe was telling us, I think Millwall had played West Ham or something, recently and obviously mm. he was talking about their time at Millwall and he was talking about when they were at Millwall and he mm. said all the abuse that they were getting and Joe being Joe was going into this story like brilliantly like all detail and really animated and excited and Kenny came around and Joe was like yeah Kenny tell him and Kenny just went yeah yeah it was good yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's actually got quite a good sense of humour at the same time as well which you kind of sin now and again um, yeah so he's lucky so it was sometimes a little bit awkward but at the same time, he's like very focused on what he was doing. Um, and he's kind of, I suppose he's just lost in football at times and always thinking about what's going on in the training. Or every gym session, he'd be there watching you think, oh, come on, just go away. Because some of the other lads who didn't really like the gym would be thinking, go away, I just want to skip a set or something. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, he, had a, he had a big job to do when he came in. Mm. I had a lot of changes. The dressing room was was divided. There was a certain group that that had to kind of go away, which was understandable. Yeah. He, he got told that from above. He had to do that. How did that affect the dressing room? Because obviously you you're seeing friends, yeah. people that you're close with as well that that are, that, are, that are divided. That you're not you're not seeing every day. They, they're not allowed to train the way with you like 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 is normal. Yeah, it was difficult seeing, especially. And I got on with everyone to be honest. Yeah. Like, even the so-called bad eggs that was like Roger and everyone. And I, like I got on really well with Roger and. Jamie at the time so um, obviously you could kind of understand with some of the players because they had like a bit of a reputation around the club so the club kind of needed to get them out even though it weren't 
my reflection as a player, I got on really well with him, but it was difficult to see some with players like I think Wardy was there and Kevin Fowling, you sort of think <clears throat> they don't deserve that, do you know what I mean? They did, they deserve to be be with us, but it kind of just probably just needed to change at the time and um they went on to Wardy's gone on to play probably two hundred Premier League games, so it probably worked out for Wardy as well, but it was difficult in that sense, but at the same time we had a a lot of young players coming through, a lot of young blood, and we had a really good relationship with everyone in the change room at the time, which kind of strengthened throughout the season. So it was difficult in pre-season. I think pre-season is always difficult, especially because there's always players that might be going, and yeah. and you know what it's like, yeah. and you kind of you kind of got obviously you like them as well, so you don't really want to see them go. But I think you understand it's part of football, and you kind of get on with it as the months come. Do you think sometimes like I mean, I've spoken to Looms about this loads of times, that almost like what happened with the double relegation kind of, I don't know, tarnished the the view of that group of players that you were both in, that 2009 promotion. Because if you talk to fans, fans will always talk about 2003, the playoff final, yeah. Matt Murray's penalty saving, yeah. that kind of that glorious side. Mm. And, and now they'll look at the team that's now got into the Premier League. Mm. Kind of your group doesn't necessarily get as much... Yeah, it doesn't. Looms will probably touch on it a little bit as well. I think Colin is a big, big advocate for this. He'll argue to to he's blue in the face, but I think they don't. That team don't really get the credit that they deserved for getting up to start off with and then sort of staying in the prem for for so long. Um, it probably gets overshadowed a bit, maybe because of the playoffs of the first one. And I suppose you've had the playoffs of the first one, which was. Obviously, a great day, and always a great way to go up for the playoffs. But then, obviously, you've got last season, like, probably like the best football that has been seen here for a very, very long time. So it's, um, I'm sure, in years to come, a few years down the line, I'll probably appreciate that team that kind of came up. Because if you look at the players that were there now, even if they left Wolves, everyone gone on to have really good careers after they left Wolves. So they realised that there was a lot of good players in that team, and it was just. It was a great feeling. I we was involved. It was a great feeling around the club, but you just probably don't get remembered as the no, other team. I have, to, I have to agree. I think, uh, I think as a as a professional footballer, you want to you want to have those moments and achieve promotion, and everyone wants to play at the, the highest level. I think what what people seem to forget is I think it was what the 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 second the second last week in September we went top of the table and we stayed there. Yeah. You know, for the yeah. rest of the way, we okay. We went through some some periods. The football wasn't great, but we went out there and that the way that we played, we just went out with the mentality we're going to score more goals than you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think uh, we conceded goals, but that's it never it never it never affected us. You know, I think some good players. Great, great squad, wasn't it? I mean, great the, morale. Like the yeah. morale around the place was unbelievable. Like you, I don't think. I don't think I played in the League One team was the only one that could kind of compare, but everyone was quite a similar age as well. It's quite a young and untested in in some senses as well, wasn't it? And yeah, and I remember pre-season. I think Michael Kate's uh, called it. He says we're going up this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it was the the second game. I think I'd come in and we'd me and Voxy are just bullying people in pre-season games, <laughs> and he thought we've yeah. got we've got everything. We have yeah. everything and. If people wanted to come and go toe to toe and have that physical, we, we did it. We mm. could do it as well. We battled teams. We ran teams. We we played them off the pitch. We, we scored more goals. Yeah. It was just it was goals galore. It was, galore, it was exciting, wasn't it? it I was. think it was different style of football, but it was still exciting because you had Java and Kites on each each wing. They were just they were just running through people yeah. and running jo- past yeah. people. Yeah, yeah so. Jonah and Henry in the middle. Yeah, exactly, you know, just yeah. we just had we had good footballers, but we had great characters, leaders. And um, I know there's a, obviously stories around when he first arrived oh. on that pre-season well, trip the, yeah the big man helped me with that one so so uh, yeah we'll so set the scene so you were up in where Scotland so we're up in Scotland pre-season tour we just played against Dundee and uh, it was I think it was a draw 1-1 and uh, we've, we're all on the bus back to the, the hotel and we've all texted Mick McCarthy the gaffer are we out so you just you hear him <laughs> yeah you can go out but there'll be a curfew so straight away I've, I've sent a few texts out to, to sort out some places in Edinburgh just use the contact from the SFA and it was it was all sorted so I remember I never I never knew what after uh, not Aftershock uh, uh, Jägermeister I never had a clue what Jägermeister was at this period in time and uh, uh, Wardy the, the gentleman the lovely guy that he has just kept on giving me glasses of straight Jägermeister so I'm down and this as we're going and you know what it's, it's one of those drinks so we've sat in large table 
filled with alcohol. This is pre-season two, remember? You know? <laughs> but everyone's on form. So I've stood up. I've been at the club 10 days, already felt at home. And I just said, guys, I just want to say it's a massive thank you for me. Been here just 10 days, uh, feel at home already. Great bunch of guys, what do you thank you? I'll wake up. I'll wake up the next morning. That's it. I'll wake up the next morning in my bed, looking at Carl Henry, just look asleep looking at me. I'm just like, my, my alarm's going. I've got 170 missed calls, text messages. I'm thinking, what's going on? We didn't, we're supposed to be in the gym. It was like quarter past, quarter past nine. Henry's got up, so I have to go, oh, right. Cold, cold room service, Weetabix, yeah, milk. But And then I'm, I, I've never even got flashback. I've never even got a flashback about the night. You know, something comes back and you think, did that really happen? Or, but uh, Keems took me to my, took, got, got me in the taxi, took me home, carried me into the, the luggage rack. So I'm, I've not had a flashback. This is just me getting told the story. So I'll let yeah, you carry on. Obviously got Loon back to the hotel and then Got him to the room eventually because, as you can see, he's a bit of a lump, and I think he's probably—I <laughs> was probably the only other person that could probably carry him. But yeah, got him back. He was—he was worse. He might have been asleep the whole way. Even even coming through the lobby, he, I think he was asleep. And um, yeah, I remember him. Remember him being sick in the gym. I kept saying doing his rep, doing his reps, and then running out the gym to be sick and stuff. Yeah. So see, how old would you have been at the time? Um, twenty maybe. 20, this is, how old were you? I was what, yeah, 29, 30, yeah. yeah Disgraceful. Should have knew better, better, yeah, basically. That should have been him, carry, yeah, him carrying me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was good times. He, he, had, he had good morale um, in the squad at that point. What was your first impression when he arrived? It was, it was strange, really. Like, and, uh, it's quite funny, actually. My first, I remember him coming to training, and um, I think Charlie, was Charlie McGraw Charlie already was there? Here. Yeah, he was here, yeah. And, um, I remember Loom's coming in, sort of say, him sort of speaking, saying, how are you and everything like that. I'm sort of thinking, <laughs> I don't know, okay, strange, but nothing of it. I just thought, thought he might be taking the mick out of Charlie McGraw's accent. So, <laughs> um, yeah, a few days have passed, kept on hearing the accent, and then I was just sort of thinking, it's a long, it's a long time to keep taking the mick out of the accent. <laughs> but then, obviously, later I found out that he actually was <laughs> from Scotland and he was Scottish. But, um, yeah, not not being like prejudiced or anything like that, but it was a bit foreign to me to to, to see this this big mixed race guy with a Nigerian, Nigerian. And uh, come out with a Scottish accent. It was the first time I'd heard it, and I found it quite, found it quite amusing at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got used to it eventually, and uh, yeah, that was my first impression of Looms. <laughs> oh, I can tell you some. I've had I've had Scottish people wanting to wanting to fight me on holiday, thinking I'm taking the mic out of their accent. I've got yeah. some great stories for you, but for another time. Um, what was your first impression of him? Again, just an absolute unit. But the thing is, he was he was very quiet. But he had a, you know, like when, when he walked in the room, you knew that he was there without him announcing it. You know, I think, uh, I've, I, I can't remember the player, we were talking about it before we before we started. Uh, someone had got on the wrong side of him in the, in the, in the, in the gym. And I just remember that he had to remove himself from the, the and just have a moment or, or it was going <laughs> down. But I've never actually seen it, it go up. Like, have you got any stories where, where it's like you have switched? Because I know you have a switch in you. Um, in football, like you said, I was I I am pretty calm and yours is quite similar. You are you are calm as well, like but I don't think you're the, the same. No one wants to get on the wrong side here as well. Um, but yeah, I, I remember one with Lee Griffiths before, <laughs> which um, yeah, we was playing a five side at, at, at training, and um, I remember sort of Lee. I wanted Lee to come to feet. It was quite a tight pitch, and he spun bit. He spun in the channel. So obviously I've just given him a bit saying, like, I'm going to find you in the channel, it's a five-a-side, blah, 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 I'll come to feet. And then he obviously he's bit back and then my gloves, somehow my gloves have come off. I don't know how they've come <laughs> off. But I think there's, um, I don't know if it's kids, there were kids or there was quite a few people watching training that day. So obviously yeah. it didn't really go down that well. But yeah, me picking on little poor Lee Griffiths. Thank God he never got near me. <laughs> there must have been more of a build to Not just that he ran down the channel. <laughs> Were you used in a bad mood that day? Nah, Lee was a strange character. You you probably know Lee yeah, as well. Lee, he's, yeah. he's 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 a nice he's a nice kid, but he's a bit strange at times. So maybe it annoyed me before, and it probably was leading up to that. But I think 
he was just a bit chirpy as well after I told him to come to feet he started chirping up a little bit and he was he must have got a bit quiet as well so everyone could hear him so that's why it probably annoyed me a little bit more yeah but it's a normal thing you know I think this is what <clears throat> this is what I don't think people understand I think you know you, you want to win everything that you do you go out and train if someone's not pulling the weight <clears throat> you'll have a go if, mm. if there is a right back yeah you, you there is there's so many standoffs every day that as soon as training's finished stuff you're having that banter again it's it's forgotten about but I've seen it I've been involved in it you know and you know I am I am calm but if, if, if someone's lashing out or or going for you then you, you have to yeah, do it but then as soon as as soon as the training session's done you're, you're back on you're back on the same team it's, you know, it's, it's competitive just, isn't it, it? It's, it's, every, it's, every training exactly. every training day is competitive so you go in with a uh, mindset that it you're going to try and you're going to win and yeah and it does boil over at times it boiled over from the academy until I finish it always it could always potentially kick off couldn't it really like (laughs) someone might be having a bad time football bad time at home you don't know what people are thinking because in football we're just great at hiding everything so we just come in in the morning everything's hunky-dory you don't know what's going on in someone's head and you know it only takes someone to like nibble at your ankles or something and then like you, you could be gone, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. So where did the David Davis thing come in? <laughs> so, yeah, me and Matt, we were probably probably, Matt probably injured. Matt Murray, yeah, we were probably injured at the time, which is, wouldn't have been a surprise to some of you in my younger career. Oh, probably throughout my career, but in my younger days especially. And um, yeah, we had a young Dave Davis who was pretty chirpy at the time. Okay. Um, he was still in the academy and... Uh, He'd always like have a little nibble at us, do one. He kind of was building up over maybe a couple of months period. So uh, me and Matt decided that we we're going to teach him a lesson basically. And um, yeah, we it was him and another young lad called Pete that were a bit chirpy as well in the academy. So uh, the one day we um, they got a bit chirpy, like the academy change room door. So me and Matty obviously grabbed older these two. And um, they thought they could get away, but you're not getting away from Matty and you won't, Dave weren't getting away from me either. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we locked them in, uh, grabbed them, grabbed them, held them. And then uh, I had my clippers on me. So we took took um, a part of his hair out, eyebrows, a bit of eyebrow, went off um, Dave and Pete and yeah, they, they had to go, they had to go home like that. <laughs> or, and he might have showed the rest of his head after to go home, but yeah, they... Uh, yeah, they were a little bit upset at the time, but they couldn't do nothing. <laughs> Which, because obviously we were big, big guys to them as well at the same time. So that was a that potentially nearly got in trouble for that. I don't think the academy <laughs> yeah, manager was actually, happy yeah. with us at the time because it's kind of coming to the it was kind of coming to the time where you kind of had to be a bit careful what yeah. you do to the the academy players, and you know the just so well protected now like you can't even, just you can't even say they're anything so well protected yeah, but just now. on that I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that because I remember when when I when I first came through and it was like the respect you had to chap in the door mm. uh, before you walked in the first team changing room whereas you're finishing training and you're coming in all the young boys are taking all their, their shakes and all that in the fridge oh, which, yeah, you know so it's, there's so many little things mm. that I, I think a balance between how it was and how it is now but they are, I think they're so, so well protected. What's your thoughts on, on I that? I remember change? when uh, you was at Wolves, we was kind of having the same discussion with everyone, weren't we? Saying that it was kind of getting a bit too much where they were just taking taking things, like you said, taking things from the first team change room. And we kind of had to say, like, like this is the first team change room. You only come in if the physio is bringing you in or you knock on the door and, and you come in. But I think when I came through here, it was, yeah, it's like you said, you knock on the door, walk in gingerly, keep yourself to yourself, yep. don't talk to anyone, didn't really go up and ask for anything extra. I know it's old school, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but massages, no, don't don't even get, don't even be seen on that massage bed if, you, if you're a young lad, yeah, because you're getting stick. And then probably the massage would probably look at, massage would probably look at you like, what, yep. <laughs> what, you, what do you want? <laughs> do you know what I mean? So yep. it's just, different um not all of it was right but yeah. there's a there was a degree of respect and i think um that's still important in in football because i think that that teaches them a bit of discipline and it makes them want to get into the first team i wanted to get in the first team so 
I could have them perks that the first team exactly. had. And exactly. It was yep. kind of, it kind of gets given a bit too fast, which I think a lot, a lot does in academies nowadays. And um, I'm not like going back to the Stone Ages and saying that like, they should be doing this and doing that. But I just think just just a, a bit of balance, just to sort of keep their feet on the floor and for them to want to strive to be in the first team yeah. is, is important. Because it, it's kind of still like that now. You know, the the knock on the door, you know, we have to do that when we're down at the training ground. It's, there's a big sign up. It's first team dressing room is first team dressing room. And for where you sat in that dressing room, for people who kind of don't know, as you would walk in, you were on that far wall. Where yeah. In all the time that I'd been around, that was kind of the senior boys. You, Danny few of the other guys would always yeah, be along that you'd, wall. you'd always kind of have a committee wouldn't you really like in the change room and looms Carl Emery's probably a part of that when when they were here and you kind of discuss matters that are going on in the building uh and yeah like you said all the staff would always knock on the door um but sometimes the youngers just you know the, the, the young and a bit fresh you know a bit hype and you kind of allow them to a d- degree yeah. but and you don't want to take their confidence completely away from them do you know what I mean just want them to have a certain degree of respect not to step in this change room because this is the first team change room and until you're a first team player or first team um, in the first team group full time you don't step in there unless you close unless you get dressed there you don't step in there unless you come in to have a physio has told you to come in because you're using an ice bath or you come in for a reason or one of the first team players have told you to come see them after training but you don't you don't step in there and I think it's just a bit of respect and it's something to strive to, to want to be in that first team change room. And it's, um, I'm not saying it's completely gone, but it's kind of siding away of, of protecting the academy, which I understand to a degree. But like I said, there still needs to be that respect to the first team. And So are you the, the model pro coming through academy then? No, no, not straining at all? You're looking at me now with big eyes. That, sorry. When you came through the academy yourself, were you the, the model pro then? Uh, <laughs> no, probably not. No, probably not. But you know, I always had respect for the first team, though. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd never, I'd never disrespect the first team mem- member at all. Like, I'd, I'd, we, we had fun. But do you know what's funny? The first team at the time would help us, and I think every first team wants to help the youngers. They just kind of want to see that you're a bit grounded and you're a bit down to earth. And I was lucky because I had people like Matty was probably still young at the time. Uh, Joel, George, and Dal was big for me. Uh, it always sort of help you out and, and stuff like that. So I was quite close to Lewis Goldburn. So we had our scrapes and we had our little things that were going on in the, in the academy and more more here, really. Uh, we got into, didn't get into trouble, but we had some fun here. <laughs> yeah, like it was a mad dynamic of, we had um, obviously a lot of the English lads and a lot of the Irish lads come over and it was just it was a wicked it was a wicked cracking up here at the time yeah um two very quick things to before we finish I know you wanted to talk about Nigeria and how that came about yeah it's Nigeria when I was when I was over in Denmark uh I got approached by the under 21s mm. uh for me my mother mother, mother and father they, they'd split up so I never mm. I wasn't really in touch with my yeah. Nigerian Nigerian roots yeah uh, for you how, how did that come about and was it was it a Boom, yes, straight away. Yeah, well, I always kind of thought that um, sort of when I was younger, if one of them came up, it wouldn't mean more or less to me than the other. Like, I, I, right. I, I quite, obviously, I've, my dad's very close to your father in my, yeah. in, my, in, my, in my life still, and um, a lot of my Nigerian family are, so I, I always used to go down to London to see them and, um, on, the, on the coach them old Victoria down to Victoria station the four hour coach and he's like the, the, the AC and everything like that but yeah I had a proper good relationship with a lot of my Nigerian family my granddad was lived close as well and I'd been to Nigeria when I was a kid so I had that affiliation that the, mm-hmm. the, there that um, you might not have had so I kind of felt I felt very much Nigerian even though I was uh, born here my mum's English so um, as soon as it kind of came up I was delighted and it, it felt the same to me yeah. as if I was playing for England yeah. if not more oh, fantastic no it's, as I say it's t- I think it's because you're just you're in touch you know you've been there you've got the affiliation it's, it's, it's a fantastic honour to go out and represent yeah. your country and it, it just it was good because it helped me it 
it made me go to Nigeria even more, which kind of made it even more sort of deep bonded in me. So yeah, it was perfect timing, really. Um, just to finish, changing tack, the tactics board. Yeah. One of the things that you will be forever remembered by. <laughs> um, why? I think we've ever asked you that before. Why? Why did you punch? <clears throat> and to punch it in a way that you ended up... <clears throat> What, breaking your fist? Yeah, do you want the story or a quick story? Quick story, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, obviously we were struggling at the time and um, I'd just sort of come in and like, it was my first season. I was enjoying playing, but it was just a bad, bad vibe around the club and I, I did care and I still do care. So I was kind of all or nothing. It weren't just like, oh, I'm losing, I don't care. Like, go home and that's why I don't like it bothered me. And then, um, yeah, we was having, we was going through training room, tra- training ground routines and um, practicing drills and everything like that. And it, uh, Dave Davis obviously passed the ball back to me like with some mad spin on it. <laughs> I didn't know what to do, whether to go with my knee or uh, foot. But it happened to me a few times. Um, I remember playing against Leeds here and then I think we were sort of, playing out from the back but they'd pass it straight in my goal and Jamie Hart would give me one back in the air on my left foot as well which isn't my strongest so it was kind of like obviously we were sort of trying to do this and you should never pass in the middle of a goal do you know what I mean everyone knows that and it kind of went in and it was just an honest mistake do you know obviously it wasn't for a lack of concentration it was just a mistake and um, obviously because we were le- teaching we were sort of getting coached to do this uh, it kind of I felt that Dean was saying at the time if it goes wrong it's on my head do you know what I mean which is which I thought fine and then obviously it went wrong and it wasn't on his head it was on mine and um, yeah got into a bit of a obviously Dean was under pressure as well at the time and Dean tried to sort of give me an earful and yeah, I just wasn't I was happy playing but I wasn't happy about the situation and then um yeah, got in a bit of an argument with Dean. A big argument, really. Um, sort of tempers were flaring in the change room. Um, I think, I can't remember what he said, but I remember water bottle, my water bottle just coming out of my hand and getting launched somewhere in the change room. Just obviously lost it. Um, I think Briars, who I got on my with as well, was sort of chirping at me a little bit. And then, um, yeah, just lost my temper. And then wanted to punch something but obviously didn't obviously not wanting to punch something but I needed to release something and then uh, the tactics board was there obviously so I give the tactic board a decent whack um, obviously didn't realise there's a, uh, a two or three inch metal steel frame that's running straight down the middle so, and I was quite accurate at the time so um, yeah whacked it straight in the middle of it and then kind of went to the toilet emotional I, I I might, I mean, he's that angry. I think I maybe even te- as I'm a bit teary, do you know what I mean? Because I just wanted to, I was just raging, do you know what I mean? And then I uh, sort of went to the toilet, took my glove off, and then my hand is out here. My hand is um, just swollen up, and I'm thinking, this doesn't look good. Tried to put it back on. It just, it wasn't good, like it was really bad. So then sort of settled down a bit. It's probably five minutes to go to the next, the next day after ready and so I thought maybe if we go and see the doctor because I don't think I can play with this and then uh, the doctor's seen it and he's saying oh yeah you need to go straight to hospital because it, it's that bad and um, yeah it kind of just went there nearly got in a fight with my dad on the way because he's like looked at my hand and he's just shook his head what you done what you done like, oh, it's just, I'm still angry so I'm just like do you know what I mean? I'm, you've got a bad temper as well, so don't you start. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, it was just a bit of a mad experience. That um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't good at the time, but I, I don't. I regret. It, it made me sort of think twice about losing my temper and trying to keep my cool as much. But it was just um, it was just an emotional period at the club for for me personally, and. Um, I just wasn't happy with what was going on with everything, with the team performance, and I include myself in that. Um, uh, what was 
going on sort of chopping changing managers and everything like that it was just the, the change room wasn't right at the time as well it was just all frustration sort of come out in that moment and um yeah I it just bothered me and I, I did genuinely I obviously throughout my career I did genuinely care mm. about what was going on and it was just kind of probably got caught up too emotionally in in what was going on at the time yeah um just finally to finish just I guess a word for the fans because I was thinking of stuff that I wanted to talk to you about when I was coming in today and one of the things that I remembered I don't know whether you'll remember this was in the the season when Emmy Martinez yeah came in and became kind of number one and you you had to drop down to number two and I spoke to you a lot around the training ground that time and I, I know you found it really difficult and I always remember I think it was Burnley at home yeah and Emmy got injured and you came on yeah yeah and you ran towards the south bank and the reception that you got was remarkable yeah I thought yeah it was quite incredible weren't it yeah um I think at the time yeah I, I, I wasn't necessarily happy with Kenny even though I expected his decision like we got on fine still but I wasn't happy with his decision I, I didn't feel it was justified and I'd be the first person to say if I felt like I should have been dropped but I just felt that I'd, I'd just come back from injury and I felt like I was I only had a, a game or two in pre-season and I was nearly there and the shot was just nearly there but I just probably need, I felt like I needed a game or two just to get into it and then um made a little bit of an error at Blackburn um, away but we, we won the game and I, everything else I'd done was I felt razor sharp in the game I just needed that match practice and then uh, I remember the next day telling me that Emmy come in and I just weren't happy blah 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 but yeah uh, it, the fans kind of felt the same that, how I felt that it was a bit unjustified at the time and um, it was probably difficult for Emmy to come in because they still wanted me to play or felt like I should be playing and um, kind of had to sit and wait for a, a while and then yeah, I just remembered him, him going down at Burnley and it's quite emotional actually sitting on the, like ready to come on because it was sort of the whole stadium was sort of singing my name and it was kind of like they wanted me to be back in and back playing as well. So um, yeah, it was it was a bit of an emotion. It's similar to sort of being out on the pitch against Man City. It was similar to that. It was kind of, everyone was happy to see me back, back playing and back between the sticks and it's like an unreal feeling to think that they actually want you to play, they want yeah. you to do well, they don't want you to, to fail. So they always, I always say this, that even when I had bad games, they still were stuck, stuck by me. And um, even someone would be saying in the back, obviously you get a few that give you a bit of abuse, but you'd always have someone in the back saying, don't worry about it, Cole, next, next time or next game, keep going, mate, keep going. And um, yeah, even through my bad times, I felt that, they stuck with me because I felt like they knew that I'd always give 100% no, no matter what and you know, that Bernie game was just uh, sort of an appreciation of of me coming back in a team which was which was unbelievable it's a lovely place to finish thank you very much yeah, thank for you. being our guest our first guest the first entrant to the old gold club Carla Keeney thank you very much thank you for having indeed. me indeed I've been Mikey Burrows he's been Chris Awolomo uh, don't forget of course there'll be plenty more episodes to come of the old gold club thank you very much for listening the old gold club powered by Wolverhampton building supplies official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers Thanks for downloading the Old Gold Club podcast. For more great content, head to wolves.co.uk, follow at Wolves on social media, or download the Wolves app available on iOS and Android. And don't forget, you can get in contact with your questions and shoutouts by emailing oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk.